Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. My co-host Larry Dersham and I have a great show for you tonight. And I have to say, my co-host is so smart, I have a tough time keeping up with him. So he's the one keeping up with the news. I keep up with him and we both try to keep up with all of you, with your questions, your comments, and with all of the different things that we're following nowadays. However, having said all of that, it does seem like the biggest headline, even though we try to bring you headlines with a silver lining, COVID continues to grab headlines around the world. I mean, we hear about variants and we hear about trends and mask on, mask off. It's every time you turn around, there's something different to follow. And most recently, one of the most alarming trends that many employees are keeping an eye on is What type of rules do they have to follow in the workplace? So one of the stories that's really caught headlines over the course of the has been exactly that, is can employers in some industries either require or require employees to be tested? And does it matter where you work? Does it matter if you work for the government, the city, the county, the military, somewhere private? And does it matter if you work as a dental hygienist versus at a digital help desk. After all, as far as I know, you can't catch COVID through Zoom, at least not yet. We'll see We'll see if Dr. Fauci changes that recommendation. But we've come a long way since the beginning of the summer, where you may remember uh, President Biden had that famous tongue twister, vaxxed or masked. Larry, I'm gonna ask you later if you can say that 10 times fast for our listeners. But that used to be the choice now You have to be both vaxxed and masked. Boy, how do you like that? People just get done to spending their summer with a mask off and they can breathe and they've been seeing each other's faces and smiles and oops, coming into uh, up to the fall. Now the masks are going back on. I don't think that has many people very, uh, very happy. Um, But Larry, one of the questions that I know we're asked all of the time is when you talk about these vaccine mandates, I mean, Is that a kind of a universal thing in terms of, you know, no shoes, no shot, no service, and then no shot, no salary? Or are we really looking at different types of factors to take into consideration and deciding where you really do need a vaccine and where you don't? I have an idea uh, to come up with a T-shirt that people would wear, uh, both uh, adults and children, and it would have the message, I identify as vaccinated. So surely government agencies and private <laughs> employers will respect people that identify as vaccinated. What do you think, Wendy? I think it's interesting because <laughs> you remember how we used to be on the honor system um, like last month. It was, I mean, things changed like the wind. The honor system. In other words, if you were not vaccinated, you were expected to do your part and to wear a mask indoors. But now, of course, they're saying everybody has to wear a mask indoors. But I don't know whether the identification with technology and uh, sort of the sentiment that we have in these other areas, I don't know that applies to our health exemption. So, I mean, that's kind of an interesting um, area as well is religious exemptions, medical exemptions. I mean, how far do these things go? Larry, I know you and I both have done some research, of course, lawyers all 
All we do is research and come up with different arguments. Um, and we talk a lot about the medical exemption because there's lots of instances where people have that. What about the religious exemption? How often is that used, Larry? Yeah, it's it's used uh, not that often, but it has been used in the past. And uh, there's sparingly, a, isn't it? Sparingly. And the big case that that's really interesting to me, it's Jacobson versus Massachusetts. And it was a Supreme Court case way back in 1905. And there was a pastor there that didn't want to be vaccinated for the smallpox vaccination. And uh, the Supreme Court said states, uh, not the federal government, but states can force you to take the vaccination. Uh, but then there's there's other cases that would go against that. And I think today with all the uh, the ways you could get around ha- forcing people to take a vaccination, I think if it reached the Supreme Court level that the the uh, people that didn't want to be vaccinated would, would win the case. But in the meantime, they might possibly lose their job. And I think the real threat is from government uh, – putting pressure on private companies like the airline industry, like the cruise line industry and, and things like that, because the federal government per se under, uh, you know, article one of the constitution, uh, the powers of Congress, they don't have the power to force this type of thing. I, I don't even think the commerce clause would give them that power, but states do have the power, but probably wouldn't use it to force you but the private companies may, and that includes universities. It's going off the charts. Universities requiring vaccinations. Uh, again, the travel industry. So that's the biggest concern, I think. And then the religious uh, exemption, I think. I, we go back to that one case, and there have been other cases on that. But I, I think I would use that. I would say, yeah, my, my um, religious beliefs prohibit me from taking this vaccination, uh, especially under the uh, temporary or emergency Yeah, it's an use. interesting... Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. I was looking for that segue because emergency use authorizations are very different than FDA approvals. And remember that universities um, and other companies were really making that distinction early on, but then we sort of, everything got lost in the mix. And now, even though it's an experimental drug, technically, because it doesn't yet have full FDA approval, the mandates make it seem like this is something that we've studied for years, but you just can't say this is the same as the polio vaccine. The measles, mumps, rubella, you know, we all had those as kids. And I just remember there being a lot of, I mean, obviously there are anti-vaxxers, but most people, a significant amount of people that are wary about a non-FDA approved drug are not necessarily anti-vaxxers. Um, they're just, they just would like to have some more, um, they'd like to have some more research and studies and, and, you know, whatever we need for FDA approval behind this vaccine. But Larry, one of the other questions that comes up all the time is people are saying, you know, my employer says you don't have to take the vaccine, but then you have to get tested regularly. That's widespread. In fact, even to travel, you have to have a negative test. Um, Some companies, by the way, and, and airlines even go so far as to say, you have to show us that you have the antibodies, but all of those require some, uh, let's just say, uh, entry into your medical records. And if you are going to be tested every week, many employees are saying, well, who's going to pay for that? 
Um, underlying medical conditions are provable and they're covered by the ADA. You know, you can't discriminate against somebody that has, you know, cancer or some of these other conditions. Um, but maybe the testing procedure is something they can't undergo each week, even if the employer pays for it. So I think what we're seeing now, Larry, there are so many unanswered questions surrounding kind of the workarounds. And then if we add to that complexity, the new studies we're just talking about this week where vaccinated people, apparently, at least if, you know, the research is to be believed, vaccinated people can carry a much heavier viral load than yes. was once thought. They can contract it. They can spread it. And in some cases, Larry, in some cases, they can even end up in the hospital along with the unvaccinated, even though it may be much more likely for you to end up in the hospital if you don't have that at least protection that the vaccine gives you. Lots of different perspectives to talk about. Absolutely. I would encourage people to go to the uh, VAERS, actually as a CDC, uh, it's on the CDC website, and it's called VAERS, and uh, that's for Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. And you just have to look at those numbers, and there have been more injuries and deaths from this vaccine than all the other injuries and deaths from all the vaccines since they've been keeping records. So... I think people need to have informed consent on this. And um, one thing I would encourage them, uh, you know, if they, if they come to your door, you know, what, what should you do? And I have this information from a former, um, uh, he was the attorney general for the state of Kansas. And he, this is his recommendations. You don't need to answer the door. If they come there to find out if you've been vaccinated, they might even try to vaccinate you there. You don't need to answer the door. If you open the door, ask them to leave and close the door. Three, don't spend time talking with them as they'll try to ingratiate themselves upon you and ask you questions. Do not allow them to come into your home. Tell them to leave and close the door and tell them they're not welcome and tell them they are trespassing. Now, again, that's for the people that want to resist this. And uh, you just need to know your rights. You do not have to let them in. You do not have to let them give you the jab if that's what's going to happen. This has kind of fallen off the news for the last week. But it's important because I haven't heard that they've shut down that program. No. And Larry, the reason I'm laughing is it reminds me of so many of the, the products that are sold door to door. I mean, magazines, solar panels. Um, can you imagine opening the door and seeing somebody standing there with a syringe? I mean, this, it's, you would never think that we're actually be talking about that. Yet here we are. And we probably already know not to invite strangers into the house, regardless of what they're trying to sell. And especially if they have a big syringe in their hand. So it's just it's a very interesting conversation. Larry, if you brought this up six months ago, I would laugh and say, save it for my law school class where I'll invite you to be a guest speaker. <laughs> but fast forward six months and we're having the discussion for real, aren't we? Exactly. And if you are in the state of Florida in Texas, they have statutes there to protect you there. Uh, but you can go to a website. I'm going to post this on our podcast page. It's called AllianceForFreeCitizens.org, where they have model statutes. You can literally take that and send it to your local California senator and say, would you please introduce this? And uh, this, if this passes as a law, it'll protect us from these forced vaccinations. So it's something we are all concerned about. So there's an action point for you. It's true. And, you know, um, because we always present both sides of every issue, I know there are some listeners saying, really, the vaccine will come to me if I don't take the time to go online and, and find an appointment. I mean, we've come such a long way 
from the just absolute crush of people online trying to make an appointment to now, not only does the vaccine come to you door to door, but actually many states are offering incentives if you'll take it. So you can actually make money by getting the vaccine. It's an incredible conversation, one that uh, I'm sure will continue. So folks, do not touch that dial. You're not gonna wanna miss our second half. We have a fascinating guest that's going to be talking about, guess what? The masks and can we breathe already? Stick with us. You're listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We will be back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. Well, we have a very high-profile guest for the second half, somebody that knows a thing or two about this mask debate that Larry and I were having uh, the very humorous mask debate. you got to have a little fun where you can that we had the first half. Larry, who do we have with us now? Uh, sure, Wendy. Sharon McKeeman is an author, educator, activist, believer, and mother of four. She's the founder of Let Them Breathe, which is a community of thousands of parents advocating for mass choice for students and everyone. She's been involved in charter schools, homeschooling, Uh, for a decade, but now her children attend public schools, and she's been at the forefront of the fight to reopen the schools as well. She makes frequent media and speaking appearances and has been a guest on Fox and Friends and chats with creative leaders on her radio show that she has. Uh, Sharon has personally journeyed through loss and explores how to navigate challenging times with hope, times like we live in now. So welcome to the program, Sharon. So much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Sharon, your organization bills itself as being pro-science, pro-safety, and pro-smiles. I just love that. Um, I have a very <laughs> practical question for you that's, that I've been wondering about following the news this past week. So most of us just got done enjoying in a summertime of smiles, safety, and a little bit of science, uh, maybe conflicting science. But now all of a sudden, after we've been enjoying the sunshine, enjoying seeing each other's faces, enjoying breathing, which I know you're a big pro-breathing proponent, how do you suppose that society is going to take the notion that all of a sudden now, after they've got a little bit of, of, en- of enjoyment and freedom and fresh air, masks go back on? How do you think that's going to go over? Well, thankfully, I think people are going to be a little less likely to comply. Uh, So that's great. I I just, I was just, I'm actually, I've been on the road with rallies just nonstop the last couple weeks. And so yesterday, uh, Bill Wells spoke at our, or sorry, the day before, Bill, uh, Mayor Wells spoke at our press conference. This morning, I was at Reopen San Diego's press conference and he spoke again. And he's basically as a mayor, when he was in the community saying, stop complying. We know this is not good for our communities. We know this is not good for our kids, our schools, our businesses. So this all ends when we make it end, right, when we, when we just stop going along with it. However, my concern is that so many people now, it's been so long and there's so much fear and, and the narrative has gotten so confusing that there are a lot of people who think that it's just kind of beaten down and, and they just feel like, okay, well, if I comply with this, then it'll end. And 
unfortunately, it just keeps escalating, right? CDC told families back so your kids can unmask. And now we have uh, parents in our group. Some of them are not planning to get their kids the COVID vaccine, but some of them, their kids got the COVID vaccine just so they could unmask. And they are just heartbroken and infuriated, really, that now they made this health decision. And apparently between CDC and CDPH, they're all saying that the kids have to remain masked. And I think that's what's important for us to remember as well is that as adults, we at least have that that option to not comply. But our kids, remember how difficult it was just to fit in in school, right? So they're going in and, and some of these kids aren't complying. They're being sent home. They're being told they have to go sit in the principal's office. But a lot of other kids, they just don't want to be singled out. And so they're going to wear the mask. But as parents, we're hearing how harmful it is to them. We're, we're seeing their suffering behind the mask that not everyone's seeing. Right. Uh, Sharon, uh, do you think there's a hidden agenda behind all these mass mandates? I do. And it could be tied to the election. Like they want to keep people frightened so they can do this all mail-in ballot things. I mean, there is something about control that goes way beyond the health concerns, I think. What do you think? Well, I think that there's a lot of people with a lot of different perspectives coming to the table here, which is why everyone's supposed to have choice, right? We're never all going to agree on how we should live our lives. Thank God that's why the United States of America has always been about freedom. So I think that there are some people that are, are honestly concerned. They're, they're honestly feeling like, well, if we do this or we enforce this, it's better for the community. But obviously there's politics at play. And I think that's becoming more and more apparent with just our lawsuit is over these restrictions being arbitrary because there's just not data to back them up. So if there's not data, then what is it about? It, it must be about politics or about money or, or something else in some respect. And, and one thing that I have seen is with, I was part of the school reopening movement and, and now with the massive choice movement, teachers unions uh, have a lot to say about these things and they have a lot of influence. And we're hearing that teachers unions, have some specific agendas. And I think that that's really unfortunate because we're hearing from teachers that they're having difficulty educating their students when they have a facial covering on, especially if that kid doesn't want to have the facial covering on. We're hearing from administrators and, and school boards that they want local control back. They want to be able to do what's best for their community. But unfortunately, each time we seem to make progress, the uh, teachers union seem to step in and, and say, nope, 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 nope. We want to keep some control over what's going on in the communities and the families and the schools. Yeah, you know, one of the questions that I always have is, you know, I, we always make the joke, the science seems to have its own variants. You know, there's all these different <laughs> variants this year, alpha, beta, gamma, delta. I'm sure next year it'll be the <laughs> midterm variant, right? Tying into the politics. But what is the science that backs up the, the fact that kids should be masked. Um, isn't, isn't it true that at least the science that it, there is some agreement on um, says they're less likely than adults to spread the vaccine or have we backpedaled there too? So absolutely, the science shows that our children are not at high risk from COVID. Uh, everybody knows that. That's not something to argue with. I, I try to not get into a lot of data because everybody can argue. Even if you've got a number in front of you, people can still argue over it. What's hard to argue with is smiles. It's hard to argue with that kid has an adorable smile and we need to see more of those smiles. And when they're masked, it's not just that we can't see the smiles. It's that their smiles are disappearing because they're just suffering so much. But I would say there just isn't science backing up 
masking because it's not shown to be effective uh, for kids. We're not seeing a big difference if kids are masked or unmasked um, as far as transmission rates. Uh, And then also, there have been no long-term studies showing that this is safe for our children to be masked. There's no long-term studies showing that they're going to have the same amount of academic progress if they're in school masked versus, you know, how they've always learned, which is unmasked and able to pick up on facial cues and and communicate verbally and socially. So there's no science to back up that these our kids need to be masked. And there's a lot of uh, studies and data coming out now showing that our kids are in a mental health crisis, uh, showing that their learning is suffering. Even now that schools are open, they don't have that effective education that they need if they're being forced to do something or wear something that isn't working for them. Right. What are some of the legal ways, Sharon, that parents and really everyone uh, can fight back against all these mask wearing requirements? And I also understand, I think you mentioned that you have a lawsuit going against perhaps Governor Newsom and the Department of Public Health of the state of California. Could you tell us a little bit about (laughs) those things? So what are the legal ways we can resist this? And tell us a little bit about the lawsuit, please. Perfect. So there's three things that people can do. Number one is uh, if they go to our website, letthembreathe.net, and they click on the library tab and select schools, there is a page there. One of the things it has is a flyer that they can share, they can learn from themselves. And basically, California Education Code Section 48900 says that K-8 students can only be suspended or expelled from school for very specific uh types of rule breaking and guess what unmasking is not one of those types of rule breaking so people need to know their elementary and their middle school students cannot be suspended or expelled if they unmask at school if they say your kid has to go home or they have to go on to distance learning well if that child keeps going to school and unmasking what you know what that code says is that they can't be suspended or expelled so That's why the state is putting enforcement onto the schools because it's going to be very tricky to enforce. They're intimidating schools saying you're going to lose your funding. You're going to lose your entrance if you don't have to, if you don't enforce. Uh, But what we're doing, so here's the second thing people can do. Number one is go share those smiles at school. Uh, Parents, stand in the parking lot with your signs. Be peaceful, but support your kiddos if they go to school with smiles. Number two, uh, we want to partner with school boards. So we have rallies all over the state right now. On that same schools page, there is a letter that can be sent to your school board asking them to adopt the resolution that is also on that page. You can send them the letter and the resolution. The resolution outlines what we just talked about. There's not science behind masking. It is harming our kids. We want school boards to stand with us, ask the state for school uh, mask choice, and not enforce it harshly. Um, so, And then we're also having these school board rallies all over the state. So if they click on the tab that says rallies, they can get the resources to work with us to uh, throw these rallies all over the state. And then finally, we are also suing. So if you go to letthembreathe.net and you click lawsuit, we don't want any kid to have to break a rule. We want every kid to have mask choice. Uh, they can read our full complaint. They can read the press release. Uh, I've already kind of detailed what that lawsuit is about. And we are hoping for a favorable ruling that affirms our children's right to an in-person effective education, uh, mask-free, if that's what they choose. And we have a legal fund there. We would love for people to help support. It's through everyone coming together that we've been able to bring this lawsuit forward. 
Yeah, I'm glad you, um, that's a great way to end the show. And we want to thank you for joining us because, you know, we do want to do everything legally. We want to make sure we abide by the laws and the rules and we want to share information that will help everybody to make good decisions. And we want to make sure things are done by the book. And that's why all these lawsuits are so important. And, you know, we predict all the time we're probably going to see many more and courts are probably going to disagree in different jurisdictions, perhaps due to the different variants that are running wild in a particular jurisdiction or the vaccination rates or the infection rates, whatever, whatever it is. But I want to thank you for drawing attention to lawsuits that do implicate the, the, the education and the well-being of our precious young people. So thank you so much for joining the show. And for sure. Thank you. God bless you. Oh, we look forward to the updates. And we want to say thank you to our listeners. It has been a pleasure getting to to report all the latest and greatest news on these issues. We want to wish you a safe, wonderful weekend. Join us next week for more of Today with Dr. Wendy. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. 